If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. And welcome once again to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer. I'm delighted to be back with you. As we approach our summer season, hospitality is the name of the day. It's, it's something that's infused right across our philosophy within our company. It's interesting because in our particular environment up here in Ontario, hospitality hasn't always been the number one priority for owners. It's always been the uh, the property, the cottage, the experience of going to, act, to the actual location and having your own piece of waterfront paradise for a week that has been the priority. There's an, there's an expression that used to be used a lot by owners when I was going out to visit owners and and I would talk to them about hospitality and say, you know, we don't call these travelers renters anymore. We call them guests. And I get this look as if I was, I'd, I'd come up with something totally off the wall. And on many occasions, owners would say to me, well, it's just a cottage. It's just a cottage. You know, they don't need bells and whistles. It's just a cottage. And that seemed to be the excuse for less than pristine cleanliness. It was the excuse for the rusty potato peelers and the frying pan with with peeling Teflon and the saggy mattress. The excuse was, but it's just a cottage. They don't need anything more than that. And it's in the past few years that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lead this revolution to owners to say it is more than just a cottage. It's more than just the waterfront. It's the whole experience from the moment they book, from the moment they pay their money to the day they leave, that experience has got to be of welcome and hospitality. Hospitality is this thing that's in my head all the time. So it was quite interesting when I came across uh, a survey that had been done by hostfully.com earlier this year, uh, talking to managers about that, that same thing, about hospitality, how they felt about hospitality, were they able to deliver it, what was stopping them from delivering it, and what they'd like to be offering if something was in place to help them do so. So I asked David Jacoby, who is the creator of Hostfully.com, to come and join me on the podcast and talk to me about the survey. Uh, We also discuss in this episode, towards the end, we talk about... um, legislation because David is very active in San Francisco in an organization that continually is looking at the legislation that governs short-term rentals in San Francisco. And since we're we're having an issue here in Toronto and also in some of our country areas, uh, I wanted to to ask about his experiences of dealing with short-term regulations. So after we talk about hospitality, we go on and talk about legislation. So so do hang on in there with this interview because uh, it, uh, there's a re- it's a really interesting discussion at the end. 
So without further ado, let's move on over to my interview with David Jacobi of Hostfully.com. So it's an absolute delight to have with me today, David Jacobi from Hostfully. Welcome to the podcast, David. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Heather, thanks so much for having me. I uh, love your podcast and it's an honor to be a part of it. So where are you talking from today? From San Francisco. Oh, wonderful place. I love San Francisco. Just don't like landing there. That's all. Well, please uh, come visit and please be my guest. <laughs> that would be wonderful. That I mean, it's just a such a... I've been there half a dozen times, I think, and just love it even more every time I come. But then I, use, I, I tend to arrive and then head north out of San Francisco and go up to where Windsor, Healdsburg, that area. That's my favorite. Awesome. Very, very common for people to come here as the uh, launching pad for a number of other beautiful places in the area. Yes, indeed. There's a question I ask everybody as they come and join me on the podcast. How did you get into the vacation rental business in the first place? Uh, sure. Um, I'll give you the uh, the short version now, and then later on, uh, when I talk about Hostfully, I can uh, tell you the longer version. But we have an in-law unit here in San Francisco in the uh, the basement of our house. And uh, when we bought this house, we gutted it for the main purpose of my parents coming out from Connecticut to spend three months a year with their grandkids. Uh, they don't care about me, just just the grandkids now. Uh, and then we had this beautiful in-law unit uh, empty for nine months, so we decided to do uh, short-term rentals for that. Uh, and that was such a good experience that the main two floors of the house that we live on, we have a guest room there. And we started putting that up on Airbnb, too. We actually put it on couch surfing, and we had some guests stay here for free. Uh, and we did some Airbnb as well. So that's the you know traditional Airbnb model of sharing your kitchen and sharing your bedroom uh, or your, your, your living space, not your bedroom. Uh, and so we'll have two guests at the same time sometimes in our private in-law unit in the basement and in our uh, extra guest room uh, where we're living. Uh, so we have two kids, four and five, and, and we love having them grow up in a home where people from around the world come visit them and, and they love welcoming everyone. Uh, probably had around 200 guests in the past few years, and I've, I've been an Airbnb super host now for 10 quarters in a row, uh, and I've spoken at their conference uh, the last two years, the Airbnb Open. Fantastic. I always love to hear from people who are, you know, who have seen, who see both sides of the, um, of the rental, of the short-term rental business, the, the whole home hosting and the shared home hosting at the same time. I, I got a chance to talk to Evelyn Badia at our Vacation Rental Success Summit, and uh, she, she does she does the same thing. And yeah, it's a fasc it's 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 just fascinating to to hear hear the stories. And with 200, 200 guests coming in, you've probably got your fair share of stories too. Yes, I'm happy to share uh, one quick one if you'd like. Love it. Yes. Sure. So actually, this was a time that we were on vacation ourselves. So when we go on vacation, instead of just renting out the guest room, we'll rent out the whole main two floors of our house. So we'll have guests in our in-law unit in the basement, and then we'll have other guests in on the main two floors. Uh, so one time we actually had 11 people in our house. We had four downstairs and then a family reunion of seven uh, on the main two floors while, while we were on vacation. And, and with two kids over two now and having four flights, this really helps us out. And one time we had a guest from a family of four from 
uh, Texas visiting, uh, staying in the main part of the house, and an older couple that were celebrating their 50th anniversary, and they specifically chose our in-law unit because it was on the lower floor and they didn't want to walk upstairs. Uh, I had told the Texas family that we were away and we have an in-law unit and there's other guests there and make sure to say hi to them. And long story short, that couple, the older couple, they got in really late. Their plane was delayed. Um, they must have been out of it. Um, it was about 1.30 a.m. when they arrived. And somehow they managed to make their way up two floors. They got confused where the entrance to the in-law unit was. And they made their way up to the bedroom where the other family was sleeping. And they walked in on them in the middle of the night. Uh, so luckily I told, I gave them a heads up that there's other guests and they're an older couple. So they kind of, the, the Texas family knew what was going on. Uh, and I said, well, I'm glad you got to say hi and welcome them. And they said, yes, we got to formally welcome them in our underwear. <laughs> it, it puts a, a new connotation on, on what you said just in your introduction when you, you, you said sharing bedrooms. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, so no doubt they they got on quite well while they were all staying. Yes, they did. They had a good laugh out of it. <laughs> and the, yeah, that you know that couple or the family, they had every right to be angry and upset, and they were so great about it. They said, you know, we're here on vacation to make memories, and this is one of those memories, and and they were just so positive about it. That is always great to hear of hear of guests who who take those things in that in that way. Uh, wish more yes. people were like that. <laughs> <laughs> so so david you run the company called hostfully which we are going to come along and talk about later um but for for the purposes of, of the topic of this episode we're going to talk about hospitality because i came across a report that uh hostfully had published called the 2017 report on hospitality trends in vacation rental and i was really interested in the results of this and so were other people because it was it was picked up by skift which of course is you know a, a leading um leading journalism in the travel industry so it was interesting to see that they'd they'd picked it up so i wanted to sort of discuss the results of that survey and and share with the audience what vacation rental managers are currently thinking about hospitality what they currently provide and what they wish they could provide and what resources there are out there to perhaps help them in the future just looking at that um, at that survey, can you just give us a bit of a rundown on on how you got that set up, how many people you talked to, and and the sort of questions that were asked? Yes, absolutely. Uh, first of all, uh, a shout out to Skift. Indeed, it was great coverage that we got from them, and I'm a big fan of that. So, for listeners out there who are not familiar with Skift, that's S K I F T. They have a daily newsletter that just talks about the travel industry in general, and it's it's the best resource for all things travel. and And they cover vacation rentals a fair amount. So, with regards to the study. Uh, we in, we started it as a little a simple survey that we uh, sent out to some vacation rental management companies, and we were going to do a benchmark analysis. Uh, we wanted to gather some information, and uh, we would then provide them with the results so they can see how they compare against their peers. And it got a lot of traction on the survey side, where we ended up getting over 50 vacation rental managers to uh, fill this out and to uh, do some interviews with us. And then we picked data from our actual guidebooks, our digital guidebooks. We have about 4,000 uh, guidebooks, and there's a lot of information 
information in there, like the check-in time and check-out time and what kind of recommendations uh, managers provide to their guests. So we ended up taking the survey results and combining it with uh, data from our guidebooks and then also getting some uh, insights from industry experts. I know Matt Landau, he's been on your show a bunch. Uh, he gave us some great insights and Susan Duell from the Vacation Rental Managers Association and Commendable Rentals uh, and Eric Mason and Stephen Carvel, which was great having him because he's from the Cornell School of Hotel Administration and he's really familiar with the hotel space. So to get his insight as well was pretty helpful. Uh, so we took all that information and put together a nice little report what sort of questions were you were you asking of these managers what what did you want to what were your goals our focus was on the hospitality side so we didn't really want to focus on on bookings although we had some open-ended questions and that and that came up a few times because uh, everyone cares about the the bookings and the money but really what are the best practices in providing five-star hospitality to your guests. What kind of services do you offer? How do you communicate with your guests after the reservation is made? Um, wh what do you do to try to get repeat bookings from that kind of account management or customer success uh, side of things? Uh, what did managers say were their greatest challenges in, in meeting sort of hos hospitality goals? Sure. So challenges in general, and then I'll dig into hospitality, uh, not surprisingly bookings and how can I get more bookings? That was a big challenge. And cleaning as well, just managing cleanings, whether it's their, your own staff in-house or whether it's working with other cleaning companies and how do you ensure that it's been done properly? Uh, so that that was the second one. And properly, funny I say properly, because of course they're one of the solutions. Uh, and then guest communications was indeed another ch challenge, especially because they're getting reservations from multiple platforms and how to streamline, streamline that all into one workflow after that reservation is made, uh, that becomes a challenge. And I see information, especially as vacation rental managers try to list more and more on Airbnb, uh, Airbnb is always trying to keep folks within their ecosystem, but vacation rental managers are trying to put them into their general workflow. And there's a, a healthy tension there on what do they do? Ask for their email and then remove them from the Airbnb platform and the Airbnb app. Uh, in which case, if there's some customer service issue, then and, and you call Airbnb, they're like, well, you're not communicating with them uh, within our messaging, so we can't help you. Uh, so there's a healthy tension there and, and getting a, a good workflow in place has been a challenge. I so go along with that because we're, we're going through those as, as a property management company ourselves. We're going through that exact same thing, um, just stepping out with Airbnb for the first time and seeing that uh, you know it's it's not it's not the easiest process in the world and we are stepping very gently at the moment so that, that you know that's certainly a challenge for us because like many companies like many property management companies the smaller ones in particular we have this relationship with we create with our guests and and it's very important to us and we've always done it on our own platform so actually having to step out of that and go onto another platform to do that that's uh, that's challenging and on that note, in general, I'm probably preaching to the choir here on a day-to-day -day basis when I talk about hostfully or vacation rentals, everyone now goes to Airbnb. They think that right away. It's almost becoming like the, the Kleenex or the Xerox um, of vacation rentals. And what's interesting to see is that the vacation rental industry itself is so strong 
outside of Airbnb. Uh, pretty consistently, Airbnb ranks third as to uh, where they get where vacation rental managers get their bookings from. And a neck and neck between one and two was from HomeAway and VRBO or directly from their own website. And as I know you guys talk about listing site independence and, and Matt uh, Landau talks about that a lot, it, it, the vacation rental industry is doing a really good job at not relying on Airbnb as big and popular as they're getting. Um, they're, it's, they're not super important, it seems, to those vacation rental managers that have been around for a while. We're certainly seeing them as, you know, this is a testing period for us because we have managed for 14 years without them. And even even now where we're advertising on, you know, HomeAway, VRBO, more than 80% of our inquiries are coming from a, a homegrown little Canadian listing site, which is, awesome. which is still, you know, the traditional, traditional listing site that still allows us to put our website address right on the listing. <laughs> and, nice. And people come directly to us. So... So, yeah, I know things will change, but it's interesting you should say that about, you know, Airbnb sitting third because we, we are toying with it at the moment. And I, I in our strategy, our marketing strategy over the next couple of years, it doesn't figure that highly, but um, we're just giving it a whirl. So um, what about these challenges in, in hospitality? Uh, we call the 84 point gap. Uh, so one of the big questions we asked was, do you currently offer any of the following for an additional fee. And we listed a whole bunch of stuff like groceries pre-arrival or a personal chef or concierge services or uh, you know, a mid-stay cleaning, early check-in, late checkout. And the, the big response to that was that 84% of companies offer or want to offer these hospita hospitality services that can't be managed through their property management software. Uh, so we're seeing a big focus with the property management software on getting that booking. And that's that's obviously important. You know, have your listings managing all the inquiries, using channel management to have them list on multiple sites, get that money. But after that reservation is confirmed, there's not a lot of tools out there within the property management software to help them manage that hospitality experience. So the managers are left to their own devices and they're left to either third-party services uh, and, and there seems to be a growing ecosystem now of these softwares out there, whether it's companies like Explory to help provide uh, um, different bookings activities or properly to help with the cleaning or um, Soothe to offer on-demand uh, massage or honor tab to have you know food and other stuff in the listing uh, itself that people just pay for on, uh, on an honor system. Uh, so all these other softwares are, are coming out or people are they're kind of jimmy rigging and, and managing it with their own like Excel sheets and Word documents and they're and they're being overwhelmed and they're just kind of giving up on it and, and they end up not offering it. I've certainly heard that from other from other um, managers. You know, um, one one area I've I've heard of is is the rental of baby and child equipment. Mm -hmm. You know that that's that's a big area to cover, particularly when you've got people coming in from from other parts of the world and bringing in small children and needing cots and high chairs and booster seats and all those things. Um, so, so that, I mean, that to me, cause it's something I was talking to somebody about quite recently, seems to be another one that, um, managers would probably appreciate some help with. Absolutely. That's a huge one. And that's a great example of what I was just talking about with these niche, um, softwares and services out there. Are you familiar with baby airs? 
So it's B A B I E R G E, like concierge, but baby. So babyerge. Um, that answers that. That solves that problem. It's a really cool startup. Uh, Fran Mayer is actually uh, a host here in San Francisco, and she is the CEO of the company. And they're in they're in cities all over. And essentially, they are matching locals who have tons of baby gear, and they will rent it out to. Uh, people who are traveling and don't want to schlep at all. Perfect. I had not heard of that one. So all of these all of these ones that you've mentioned are going to go into the show notes. So I'll make Awesome. awesome. Make, yeah, I'll make sure I've got the um the hyperlinks on those so anybody that's listening who's interested in any of these can go and take a look at them. Yeah, carry on. I sort of interrupted you there David while you were talking about um it's like a a, a property manager wish list. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll just give one more example. One of the, the biggest findings of that was groceries pre-arrival. So only 4% of the companies we spoke with have a way of offering groceries pre-arrival uh, within their normal workflow in their property management software. Uh, 27% of companies have a way of offering it offering it outside of their PMS and they kind of deal with it manually and, you know, either in a word document and send a, an, a, an employee to go and get it. And it's, uh, and they'll charge them offline separately. Um, and it's a, a bit cumbersome. Uh, and then 50, uh, 50% who we surveyed, they do not currently offer it, but it's something they really would like to offer it and make additional revenue on that. And they hear from their guests that it would be a cool feature for them to offer. Um, but they just, they're just too busy and they don't have the tools to do it. Once again, have have talked to property managers at at length at different uh, at different conferences, and uh, the, these wish lists seems to get longer and longer all the time, purely because the demands from guests are changing. And you know, at one time, guests were self well. We always used to say, you know, they're self sufficient, they were self reliant, uh, and certainly in our part of the world, they they came from they, they used to be campers. They, they used to go camping and were totally self-reliant. So going to a vacation <laughs> rental was, was just an amazing upgrade because they had a hard roof over their head and an indoor toilet. And, and that to them was, the, was luxury. And now, but now we're looking at such completely different expectations and demands from guests. And, and we're all really scrambling to find how we can meet those expectations. Yes. And as vacation rentals become more popular, it becomes more of a uh, of a commodity, so to speak. And so managers are looking for ways to differentiate themselves. Also, it's a great way for managers to make additional money because, you, you know, from the booking themselves, they're getting anywhere from 20 to 40 percent, let's say. Uh, and that's pretty static. But all these upsells are stuff that oftentimes the managers do not need to split with the with the so it's a, they get 100% of the mm. additional revenue from offering an extended checkout or a mid-stay cleaning or groceries pre-arrival or, you know, a, a chef or a massage or something like that. You, you also ask questions about um, communication, how important it is you know, for, for that communication to happen um, before a stay and while they're on vacation. How important do managers feel that this, this all is, the communication process? Sure. Uh, yeah, that's a bit of a softball question. What? No, communications is not important. So, of course, of course, it is important. And there's there's a number of ways in which um, the the managers are communicating with their guests, and it, you can break it down both in the kind of pre-arrival communications as well as the the in-stay communications. Uh, some questions that we had in the study really focused around guidebooks because, of course, that's that's something that that we focus on at, at Hostfully, and eighty-seven percent. 
percent of companies that we that we surveyed, they offer some form of guidebook, whether it's a digital guidebook or or a print guidebook. Uh, and I was actually surprised it wasn't a hundred percent. Uh, every vacation rental I've stayed in, at the very least, has that you know mediocre three-ring binder uh, in the listing, or so you know some word documents stapled together. Uh, but there were a couple managers that said we want them to contact us for everything. It, it almost sounded like they were they were being high touch on the hospitality side. Oh, we want to answer all their questions. Uh, but to me, it just seemed a little inefficient because they're probably answering, spending a lot of time answering unnecessary questions. Um, but that was an anomaly. The large majority do offer guidebooks. Yeah. So in, in this, in terms of, of communication, what do you think owners and managers can do to, to streamline it and deliver this comprehensive information that guests want in, in a timely and accurate way. And I, this is timely for me because at this time of year, we are, we are dealing with these, these questions that come in, not just daily, but minutely, (laughs) if you like, I know while I've been, while I've been talking to you and sort of a half, (laughs) a half eye on my, 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 my Gmail inbox, and I know these are being dealt with by my staff, but I'm seeing all these questions coming in from from guests who are saying, you know, does it does it have? We have 180 properties, and it's the question is, mm-hmm. does my place have a blender? Mm-hmm. And yep. you know, we are, we are working. I mean, for 14 years we've been working on how to streamline this and get this communication out to everybody. And when an owner changes something, then we get that uh, mm-hmm. we get that change out to all the guests who have already booked because they've already got their information that we've sent out yeah and it's it's tough to you know we we, we still use we're, we're, we're pretty archaic up here in um in ontario um still use some pretty old methods but yeah tell me about streamlining communication i call it finding having that goldilocks email, getting that email in advance to the guest that's just right. It's not too long and it's not too short. So there's there's kind of two, there's the, the long way, the too long way and the too short way. So on the too long way, after a reservation gets made, a, a manager might send them just tons of information and they think they're being helpful. So they're sending directions, but not just directions uh, here in San Francisco, for example, how to get here from the Oakland airport, how to get here from the San Francisco airport, how to get here from the train station if you're driving. Uh, and then after that is maybe information about how to check in uh, and then house rules. And they're basically just like throwing up, right? They're just putting all this information in the email. And then guess what? They're, the guest isn't reading it all. So they end up asking a question and that question was already in the email. So the manager kind of gets a little upset and maybe it shows in, in their response because they already answered it. Uh, so, it, But they didn't realize that they didn't provide the information in a consumable manner. Uh, so that's one extreme. The other extreme is the manager that just says, you know, we're excited to have you arrive and uh, you can, you know, here's the check-in information. Let me know if you have any questions guess what? Of course, they're going to get questions. They're going to get questions about 
directions, for example, or or is there a supermarket nearby? Uh, and just what you say, you know, is there a blender? All those weird questions. So um, we've kind of found the solution is to keep it simple and drive people to a digital guidebook, and that will save them a whole bunch of uh, time answering unnecessary questions, not needing to answer unnecessary questions. And and um, what I find to be best practice is really having a, a four-point uh, email in advance. Uh, so number one is just a quick sentence. Uh, remember, this is their vacation. It, it might be mundane work for you because you're doing it over and over again. Um, but just do one quick sentence of like, hey, you must be getting excited about your trip. We're really looking forward to seeing you or welcoming you uh, and kind of, you know, sharing their excitement because it is a big deal for them. Uh, and then so that's point number one. Point number two, ask any questions that you might need to gather um, get that right away. So there might not be any. Um, sometimes you might want to ask, do you know when you're arriving or when you're when you're leaving? Uh, we find a lot of managers want to know if the guest is actually getting in at 8 p.m. because that will help with their cleaning schedule. They don't need to have it ready by 2 p.m. Um, they can book that one last. Um, so that's point number two, ask any questions. Point number three, send them to a separate place with all the information. So, you know, ideally a digital guidebook, if you have your own, um, your own website or whether you use Hostfully or whether you have a PDF, which is kind of hard to scroll and navigate. So I actually don't recommend the PDF. And we used to have, uh, we used to recommend managers or, or we've seen managers that say, here's my guidebook, you know, enjoy. And people don't look at it. So you need to be a little more dare I say forceful, saying, read this guidebook. This has all the information you need to know about how to get here, how to check in, everything about the house and all my favorite local recommendations that you're going to love and, and really have that be the focus of the email. Uh, and then uh, number four is asking for the five-star review in advance in a way that you're not really asking for it. Uh, so you're kind of setting the expectations that you are going to get a five-star review. So um, he, some a common language, uh, here's what I say, in, for example, in my email to guests. I say, please let us know if you have any other questions or if there's anything we can do to make sure your visit is enjoyable. Uh, we're proud Airbnb Superhost for 10 quarters in a row, which means, among other metrics, the large majority of our reviews are five stars. We strive for that every time. We hope you have the same positive experience as our other guests, and we welcome and appreciate any feedback you may have. So that's basically saying we expect that five-star review, and if there's something that won't get us that, let us know right away so we can fix it. Uh, so if you cover those four points in the email, that's kind of the Goldilocks email of not being too long, not being too short, and sending people to the place that they need to go that has a lot more details. I just just tracking back a bit on on, on what you just said. I mean, right at the start, you were talking about. Um, uh, property managers and perhaps owners, because I think owners, independent owners out there listening to this are going to um, get some good value out of these suggestions too. It's not just property managers. Um, the, the, the There's always been this complaint that people don't read what's sent to them. And yeah. in what you were saying about sending them too much information, and, and I'm sort of sitting here slightly cringing <laughs> because... <laughs> because I know in our effort, and I and I know I'm not alone here. In in our effort as property manager, wants to give our guests as much as we can. We want them to know everything about the property they're going to. You know, 
it has a septic system and you might not understand about septic systems. So here's a page on septic <laughs> systems and the, the water comes from, you know, the water that comes out from the, from the tap probably comes from the lake or the river before it gets to the tap. So here's another page on how to drink, how to drink the water <laughs> or not. We, we often get exactly what you were, you were saying, you know, people ask questions and you think, but we've given you this information. It was already in page forty-two. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying we have that many pages, but uh, but yeah, I it was it was interesting to hear that from you because it's something that uh, that I've been working on for a while, and I know that um, you know a lot of my peers are doing the same thing. We know we've got to get this information out to guests, and, and we hope they're going to read it. But we have to do it in such a way as to make it more palatable to them and, and offer it in a way that works for them. There's an, there's an old saying, my, a psychology teacher of mine once said to me, and it took me a while to understand what it, what it meant. She said, the meaning of your communication is in the response you get. When I really came to understand that, uh, you know, I use that expression a lot. When, when one of my staff perhaps says, oh, you know, I've, I've told this person, this guest, this three times now, and she's still not getting it. And I've said, but the meaning of your communication is in mm -hmm. the response you get. If you're getting yeah. the response that she's not getting it, it's because you're possibly not delivering it in the way that she needs mm -hmm. to see it. So it was very interesting to hear you hear you say that because it, uh, it 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 backs up a lot of my thinking uh, at the moment. So I like the idea of a, of a shortened email that very clearly lays out from really from beginning to end with a welcome, finding out what you need to know, making sure they've got the link to the place where they, where they need to go to find the information. And then I also like asking for the review at the beginning. That's, uh, that's very nifty. Great. I, I love that quote. I, that sounds like a good uh, tagline for, for Hostfully. Um, <laughs> one thing also with regards to sending them to that external place, that digital guidebook, of course, you're still going to get questions. But now what we hear from our, our users, our clients if they respond to the first question they get with a link to the specific location in the guidebook to where that answer is, guess what? They're not going to get a second question anymore. Now they know, oh, okay, this is really that place to go and check to get all the answers I need. Yeah, absolutely. So, so tell us a little bit more about Hostfully. Sure. Uh, so we, as I kind of mentioned, we are a platform that makes it easy for vacation rental managers uh, to make beautiful digital guidebooks for their guests. Uh, we also have a print version as well, so it's one place to manage all the information about your home uh, and favorite local recommendations that you want to share with your guests. Uh, going back to your question at the very beginning of, of how I got into vacation rentals and uh, how I got into Hostfully, it's really a product of my scratching my own itch as both a traveler and as a host. So about seven years ago, my wife and I we took a one-year sabbatical and we traveled around the world. Uh, we had our, our one year of fun before we were handcuffed for the next 20 years doing this kid thing. Uh, not that this isn't fun, just a different kind of fun. And we went to 27 countries and five continents. And because it was such a long trip, uh, we wanted to stay a little more off the beaten path. We ended up staying in 38 homes during that trip. Some was through traditional vacation rentals. Some was through friends of friends of friends. And are you familiar with the website couchsurfing.org? Yes, I yes I am. My my elder son was actually met his um, his German wife 
through couch surfing. Oh, really? Awesome. She, she came and surfed on his couch. <laughs> nice. So uh, we actually did a lot of couch surfing, too. So for those who are unfamiliar with that, it's it's basically Airbnb without the financial transaction. It's literally hosts who want to help travelers travel and, and they host them for free and they just like meeting people from other cultures. And through that platform spe- specifically, we stayed with people in Cairo and Jerusalem and Lima, Peru and Kigali, Rwanda, Hanoi, Vietnam, Bodrum, Turkey, some, some real random places. And through all these stays in different homes, uh, that's when we realized the incredible influence that the host has on the guest's stay. Anything a host told us to do went to the top of the priority list above Lonely Planet and TripAdvisor and Yelp and any of those other review sites. We got the inside scoop, the hidden gems. Uh, and then on the flip side, as I mentioned earlier, we after that trip, we moved to San Francisco and uh, renovated our basement to turn it into an in-law unit and have had uh, between downstairs and our guest room, we've had over 200 guests, as I said. And, and I've realized firsthand the incredible pain point of being in constant communication and 200 guests, you know, that's a lot for me, but for some of your listeners, that's probably like a month's worth. Um, so, but being in constant communication with guests after guests after guests and dealing with all their questions that they have before they arrive and then dealing with their separate set of questions while they're actually staying with me. Uh, but I also realized the pleasure of hearing from them that they went to my favorite local coffee shop and my favorite brunch spot. And sure, they went to Fisherman's Wharf and, and Alcatraz and did all the touristy stuff. But it was staying in my neighborhood and going to the places I told them to go to that really made their trip memorable and unique. Uh, and in looking in the into the space of vacation rentals more, as I mentioned earlier, I, I realized there's a big focus on getting that reservation, whether it's all the listing platforms out there or the property management softwares uh, or the dynamic pricing companies. It's really focused on that front end. But after that reservation is made, there's not a lot of tools out there to help the hosts be a better host and to help them with guest communications. Uh, Doing more research and more surveys, I, I found that pretty much every vacation rental manager and every individual Airbnb host, they have some mediocre Word document or a three-ring binder that they have in the listing. And there's a number of problems with that. Uh, First of all, it's hard to maintain an update, uh, but also you can't send it to them in advance. So all the important information about how to get here and how to check in and certain places that maybe they need to make a reservation for, like Alcatraz during the summer here in San Francisco, you're not communicating that effectively. Sometimes hosts will turn that binder into a PDF and they'll email it, but still the guest is doing a lot of scrolling and it's not being presented in, a, in an effective way. They're zooming in and zooming out on their phone, pinching in and pitching out when they're at the airport. Uh, also, when the guest is actually staying in the listing and they're out and about exploring the, the city, they're not taking that three ring binder and putting it in their backpack. So when they're done with the day and they want to see where the, the host recommends they have dinner, they need to go back to the listing to get that information. Uh, And then, of course, all these other benefits of having it be a digital guidebook, like including links to places, including pictures, uh, embedding video, for example, how to, you know, do you know how scary a laundry machine is if you're from another country and you're trying to figure out how to use that? So in videos on how to turn the TV on and, and how to use the coffee machine and stuff like that. Uh, so that's essentially high level of hostfully and how I got into, uh, the vacation rental business. <laughs> so, so how does the, the, how, how does it bridge the gap between, what managers want to provide and 
what currently prevents them from doing so? Sure. There, it's it's hard to, I mean, the, as I, I keep dissing that binder, but it is very important and it is helpful. And, you know, it's hard to make something look beautiful. So we spent a lot of time. Um, we have a great UX team, um, great development team, speaking with a lot of managers, putting together a platform that makes it real easy to enter in the information. We give a lot of prompts and best practices of, okay, here's where you want to put your check-in information and your directions, and here's where you can put all your recommendations. And we have great integration with Google Maps and Google Places, so it brings up pictures right away. So you have this kind of Pinterest board looking uh, recommendation section that will excite your guests. Uh, so we make it real easy to make beautiful digital guidebooks that you can share in advance, uh, as well as having a print version as well, because lots of guests, when they're on vacation, they, they don't want to be looking on their iPhone. So it still is important to have that print version. And now you have one place to go to manage both. I know when I, when I was um, trialing it a few weeks ago, and I, I really got caught up in the, in the whole, you know, you talked about creating um, Pinterest board type of, um, of images. And I've, I've always said, and I, I mentioned to you when we chatted before, before we started recording, that there's, there's really, you know, when people come to our area, there's, nowhere, there's, there's nothing for them to do. There, there really is very little for them to do outside of um, relaxing on their own piece of private waterfront, going out in the canoe, the mm -hmm. kayak, the paddleboard, which is probably for most people, that's all they want. But I had in my head that really, you know, not much goes on until I actually started trialing hostfully. And I thought, and, and then I found, because mm. I thought, oh, I've really got to go and have a look and see what's around and about my, my cottage. And it was amazing what I found in actually doing that, you know, I, I, I found local craft breweries. I was able to go and pinpoint my favorite areas in the local provincial parks. This is not a great eating out area, but I found some really unique little spots where people could go and eat. And I hadn't really spent that much time looking. So, so that's what it did for me as, as, a, as, a, as an independent owner. Got me really looking out in my area to see what there was. And I, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. So that, that's, that's my little take on, on the, the trial that I did. That, that's, that's great to hear. Thank you. We do see lots of hosts that aren't necessarily in an urban setting. And the way the recommendations are structured, you can easily just recommend a restaurant and pull up a picture of that restaurant and the website. And that's that. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, but we also give the flexibility to have a more curated um, adventure or itinerary for the day that you can recommend. So lots of hosts will recommend certain hikes that they love and they'll be able to pinpoint here's the starting place for the hike and they can write longer information about uh, where, you know, how long it will take and where they should go in the hike, uh, where they should park. Uh, and then they can include multiple pictures. So, uh, they can get the guests excited about, hey, hike number one, this is some of the stuff you're going to see, or recommendation number two, hike number two, uh, this is what that's going to look like. So you'd be surprised that all the types of recommendations, once you get going, I'm sure you love your, uh, you know, all your places, your neighborhoods, even if they're not cities, there's lots of different types of recommendations you can tell your guests. Yeah, so 
So that's great, David. I love the idea of Hostfully. I, I know there's a number of digital guides um, about and and people, you know, independent owners and property managers are being encouraged to to use digital guides. So I, w- I would suggest to anybody listening to go over to hostfully.com and and check out this resource and get in touch with with David if you have any questions. We've got a little bit of time left, David, and I wanted to touch on a topic that's you know, pretty topical here in Ontario because uh, Toronto, uh, it was well, it was just in the in the news yesterday that um, the, the the proposals to regulate home sharing mm-hmm. and vacation rentals in Toronto has just you know it's just hit the headlines again, and these regulations are going to I mean they're not set in stone yet, it's not gone through council yet. But but this is coming. I mean, you've got the experience in um, San Francisco, and you're the the membership secretary of the Home Sharers. Oh, you're going to have to tell me what it is. Home Sharers Democratic oh, Club. You got it. Excellent. Home the, of the Home Sharers Democratic Club. Tell me about that. What is what's your involvement in San Francisco legislation? Because we've heard about it over the years. It was one of the first areas. That, that hit the media really in in terms of short-term rental regulations. Yes, uh, we are one of the trendsetters here in San Francisco in, in that regards for better and for worse. And I think there is a big magnifying glass here because it is Airbnb's home as well. Uh, with regards to the Home Shares Democratic Club, uh, shout out to Peter Kwan out there He's who started it. And we became an independent group of hosts here uh, that we felt was important to kind of lobby for our um, our beliefs and and show that we were independent from Airbnb because sometimes our interests are different from Airbnb and and here in San Francisco oftentimes people just think we're we're one and the same uh, so we're actually a official chartered organization within the San Francisco Democratic Party. So what that means is that when we want to speak with a local supervi- supervisor or politician, the mayor's office, being able to say we're part of this like actual official group, it, n- it increases the chances greatly <laughs> that we'll be able to get a meeting. And they really take uh, what we say more seriously uh, with regards to details within the legislation. Uh, I, I had heard you Heather, on a previous podcast, talk about how you'll maybe meet people from your area at that at, at a conference and then go back and and you don't really um, get together with them much when you go back. And I think that's very important for for managers and individual hosts to get that community. Uh, so that's what we strive to do here with the Home Shares Democratic Club, not just for political issues and to talk about legislation, even though that has been something in San Francisco. Uh, But to have that community where oftentimes it can be a bit lonely doing this business uh, and to be able to check in with other folks and talk about best practices and talk about new features on different platforms. Uh, So we'll have monthly meetings where it's more like official meetings and we have guest speakers come. Uh, And then we also have monthly uh, happy hours. That's just purely social, uh, as well as other special events. So we have a pretty active community here, uh, which is great. Uh, Unfortunately, oh, and we just had our first trade fair, which was a a huge success. Uh, Not not nearly uh, like the VRSS and the belated congratulations again to, to you on that. I've heard such wonderful things about that. Uh, But we did have 30 over 30 vendors come for a three hour event. 
and to really celebrate the ecosystem and to show um, local managers and homeowners and, and home sharers what uh, what services are available to them. So it really ranged from baby heirs, for example, that I mentioned earlier, to all the dynamic pricing companies and guest messaging uh, companies like Viva IQ and Party Squasher that tells how many Wi-Fi signals uh, or how many phones are collecting, you know, Wi-Fi signals in the home, so you know if there's a party going on. Um, and vacation rental manage managers were uh, exhibiting at that as well, uh, and it was just a, a huge big event. We had local politicians come, and even Joe Gebbia, uh, the co-founder of Airbnb, he showed up for that. Um, so that's some of the things that Home Shares Democratic Club does. Uh, I'm also happy to, to talk a little bit about the legislation and where things are at here. I know that's uh, pertinent to Toronto, um, but I'll, I'll take a breather for a second. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know, just uh, we've just got a few minutes left. Um, you know, I, I'm always interested to, um, to to hear what what state um, different places are in in reference to legislation. Um, because it can be confusing, you know, if you're just, if you're just following the media. Sure, um, sure. So are whole home rentals still permitted in San Francisco? So unfortunately, mostly not. So a law was passed uh, actually a couple of years ago that said you could only do short-term rentals where you live. Uh, so if you own a second home that you're not, that's not your full-time residence, your primary residence here in San Francisco, you can't do um, short-term rentals less than 30 days with that space. There are a lot of in-law units here in San Francisco where it's not a legal second address. So that still allows for a lot of kind of private vacation rentals. But for the most part, you, you need to be living there and completely second owned homes um, for, for the past couple of years now have been off, off the market. Um, if, it is, if it is your primary residence and you want to go on vacation, then you can rent out your whole home for 90 days. So you're, you're allowed to have unlimited hosted rentals where you're living there and 90 days where you can go on vacation, you can travel for the summer and rent your whole home out. Uh, but again, it needs to be your primary residence. So that was passed about two years ago. There's been a lot of um, there's been a few small changes and a lot of attempts to make other changes. There was the famous Prop F that Airbnb spent something like $8 million to, to fight uh, a couple years ago. Um, there, there were a couple other small tweaks. The mayor passed one. The mayor vetoed another. And then most recently, there was a new law that was passed that basically said HomeAway and Airbnb and all the listing sites, they are now going to be um, held liable for having unregistered listings on their site, and they will be fined. Uh, so before HomeAway and Airbnb, they would say, we're just a platform, you know, we're not, find the, the individual host who's acting illegally, but we're, you, you can't, you know, you can't have us be in trouble. And they, so this went to court, Airbnb and HomeAway sued um, the city when this law was passed, and the judge actually ruled in the city's favor and said, sorry, Airbnb, sorry, HomeAway, you're not just a, a, a platform. Craigslist is just a platform, but you are more involved in the process, especially uh, because oftentimes you're taking a financial um, you know, commission as part of that, and with HomeAway's movement to having them be more involved in, in that as opposed to just a listing fee. Um, but either way, they're making money off of that transaction, so they are 
more involved than Craigslist. And therefore, if they have illegal listings on the site, they can be held liable. So uh, the city ended up just having this settlement based based on the judge saying, yeah, the city's right. Um, Airbnb, HomeAway and the city got into a room and came to an agreement that basically in about half a year now, you must be registered to be on to be listed in San Francisco. So right now on Airbnb alone, there's about eight to ten thousand listings and there's only two thousand registered hosts. So it'll be interesting to see over the next half year uh, how many more hosts get registered. Let's say a thousand, maybe two thousand more. Um, so like maybe best case scenario in half a year, it's going to go down from eight to ten thousand listings to four thousand listings. Wow, that if that's happening in cities across the U.S. and and Canada, of course, then that's you know, just a major reduction in listings across the board. Yes, yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see uh, the unintended consequences of this. Uh, I'm uh, right now. Airbnb, for example, collects the hotel tax on every reservation and pays that to the city. And I bet you a lot of these listings are just going to go kind of underground. They're going to go on Craigslist. So the city's not going to collect the tax or, or, or you know, the host is not going to collect the tax and pay that to the city. And there's going to be a lot more problems. Uh, there's going to be more scams. It's not, you know, it's not going to be regulated as well. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. And this is all in the name of quote-unquote, affordable housing. And what's interesting is that the the primary people who kind of push for this legislation, uh, and uh, they're really related to the hotel lobby, and, and saying that, oh, we want the hotels to do better doesn't really pull well. So instead, they said, oh, vacation rentals are taking units off the market, and we have an affordable housing crisis, and it's all you know, home away and Airbnb's fault. And the reality of the situation was there's been an affordable housing crisis here in San Francisco and probably in Toronto and in other places long before Airbnb and vacation rentals in general became popular. And, and the number of private units that are being done for vacation rentals barely moves the needle uh, when you're looking at the bigger issue of affordable housing. Uh, so I think a more common sense solution is really just to build more housing in the city than to really put these big restrictions on vacation rentals. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a good scapegoat at the moment, though, isn't it? For them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, David, thank you so much for that. That was, that was really interesting, as, as I say, particularly topical for, for us up here in Toronto and actually for, for, for me in um, rural Ontario because we are just seeing some um, some activity now in some of our tiny, tiny municipalities. And we knew it was coming. Uh, I think once one or two of these municipalities get on board this this railroad, it's not it's going to take some stopping them. So get organized. Getting organized is is the big thing. And I know that once this season's over, I I think we are going to be um, be pushing to get organized. So I'll probably be talking to you a little more Great. about how we do this. So it's Great. it's been an absolute pleasure having you on on the show. It's been great to hear about the um, the survey and and about hostfully and and then about you know your your role in in the regulations aspect as well. So looking forward to meeting you personally. Um, I don't know if you're going to be at VRMA uh, in Orlando. Yes, we, we will be exhibiting. So at the very least, make sure to come by our booth, but let's grab a drink. <laughs> yeah, I, I will do both. <laughs> Thank you so much, David. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Heather.
Well, so many thanks, David, for joining me on the podcast. Uh, I, you know, you know me. I love resources. I love new shiny things, and th- th- there are, and I come across an awful lot of them. There are some that are, are new and shiny, and I love them, and I'll I'll just jump into them, and then realize that perhaps they don't, they they just don't have the substance to last the course. Um, Hostfully is not one of them. I I really like this platform. Um, I'm I'm definitely going to you know b- before I I put my hundred percent endorsement on it. I'm really going to uh, try it out and get Kingfisher Cottage um, you know up with with Hostfully and have it going out to my guests and then I can talk to my guests and see how they enjoy it. When I've done that. I'll put an addendum to the show notes. So if you come back to the show notes at a later date, you can find out. Or you can always email me at heather at cottageblogger.com and ask how I'm doing. You know, that's that's a little bit of um, chivying for me to, to get on and do the stuff I say I'm going to do. But as we approach the busy high season, uh, you know, I, I will definitely work on it and, and get it up as soon as I can. But you know how it is when busyness takes over. So for now, I'd like to thank you once again for joining me. It's always a pleasure to know that you are listening. And as always, I love to hear your comments. So please go over to the show notes and you know put in any comments you have, any questions you might have for David. You can, of course, contact him directly via Hostfully. So I hope you've enjoyed this and I'll look forward to talking with you again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business. 